Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. This is Beyond Governance. My name is Nero Tembele. As always, I'm delighted to share this space and time with you as we continue to bring you topical and strategic insight through our guest. If you recall, we literally left with two weeks before the local government elections. In my view, local government elections are about the bread and butter issues. I've always maintained that. And here I'm talking about the service delivery imperatives, which include but not limited to refuse removal, water supply, sewer management, provision of reliable electricity, uh, and, and, and correcting, you know, insane billing system. Uh, let's not forget about potholes because you know, we are in a rainy season. Pothole will be galore. So these are some of the basic service delivery requirements, which when we talk of local government, we talk about these very pertinent issues. And we've seen over time that political parties who are paying lip service to these very important issues. So if you have had political party that delivers on its mandate, not just lip service, they'll certainly be required to be brought back. If the political party that is in your vicinity has not delivered, surely I don't think you and I would agree on that. We definitely need to change gears and, and do better as we ought to, for we deserve better. Don't you think we really deserve better? Anyway, uh, this is not about a political scenario. I just wanted to paint a picture or a personally reminding us that we need to go and cast our votes next to a political party that has been delivering, not the one that has been giving us lip service without any delivery. As we proceed, today I'm in company of Bethel Lamine, who is the founding president of African Women in Energy and Power. Talk of energy and power uh, with women, you can't go wrong there. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome Bertha, who is the founding president of African Women in Energy and Power. Good morning, Bertha, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Grimrod. Thank you so much for having me on the show this morning. Thank you very much for agreeing to come through. Perhaps maybe as a way of kick-starting this, I've known you for a while, and it will be interesting just to share your personality, your persona, with the listener out there. In a nutshell, who is better Lamini? Sure. So I come from Guiani. Guiani is a small town in Limpopo, former capital of Gazankulu. That's where my family is and that's where I grew up. And when I finished matric at Kanisa Education Center, I went to Cape Technicon to study marketing. And that was back in 1994. And when I completed my first national diploma, I came to Johannesburg, the city of gold, in 1997. And I started working in the marketing field since 1998. And um, I enjoyed a sterling career in marketing communications with the likes of the microfinance institution, which is currently uh, the national credit regulator. After nine years in working in marketing, I founded my first consulting company called Arito Consulting Services. And Arito Consulting Services delivered integrated marketing communications to both private and public clients, focusing mainly on consumer education uh, and socioeconomic development matters. I ran Arito for about eight years and I sold 
50% of that consulting company to an engineering firm. At the time, it was known as Eon Consulting. And that was my introduction to the energy space. Eon was founded by Eskom Enterprise in 1998 and therefore had a lot of projects within the Eskom environment and the municipal space and other power utilities in the SADC region. In 2012, when I started partnering with Eon, that's when I got introduced to the full value chain of electricity generation, transmission, and distribution. But most importantly, that's when I learned the critical role that electricity plays in stimulating microeconomies and enabling people to gain sustainable employment and therefore improve their livelihoods. I also immersed myself in learning the construct of the value chains themselves. So understanding generation, understanding the solutions, the systems, services and products that are sought after by utilities to enable efficient generation of power and management of generation assets. I also got to understand the fascination or the fascinating transmission uh, network that flows from our country into other neighboring countries all the way to Malawi and beyond. As you know that ESCOM is the largest electricity utility on the continent and number seven in the world with the most sophisticated electricity network. And I got to understand the ITC solutions that are embedded in the transmission network to manage its health. And I got to understand the complex metering, electricity metering systems that are used to measure electricity that is wheeled in and outside of the country. I got to understand electricity trading between countries. So I also got to form a very strong working relationship with the Southern African Power Pool, which comprises 17 utilities in SADC that work together to manage the highly connected uh, Southern African power network. I also got to understand the distribution network, which sufficiently brings electricity to our homes and how electricity is transformed from different high voltages to safe voltages for industrial use, commercial use and residential use and the products services and solutions and systems that are used to manage substations and the distribution network and the metering system that helps utilities measure the consumption of electricity by residents and by large power users so that they produce an accurate bill. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. On that note, uh, if you have just joined us, I am joined by Betha Lamini, who is the founding president of African Women in Energy. We'll just quickly take a break and come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. 
This is Beyond Governance at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Mbele, and we are joined uh, by Bertha Lamini, who is the founding president of African Women in Energy and Power. Uh, she has just taken us through her profile, which is fascinating. And when you talk about uh, power of energy, she, this is definitely a person that is worthy of our conversation. Uh, so if we've got issues with electricity, we all know where to go to for. I've learned quite a bit in just a few seconds that we have been on air with her. Betha, once again, thank you very much for that elaborative assessment of your stature, which I think is quite fascinating. So you recently, you've held a conference under the leadership of Women in, in Energy. Could you just take us through that thinking behind that the conference, which you held, I think, about two weeks ago, the thinking behind the conference, the level of participation in terms of outcome, what is it that you expected? We host regular webinars. So as I was explaining my background in energy, it led me and through many studies that I conducted. I've done management studies with VETS University, with Gibbs, and I've just recently completed my executive MBA with UCT Graduate School of Business. And through all of this, what I learned is that if you are to ensure and secure the participation of people in economy, you must start with educating them on the construct of value chains. So our organization is uh, formed to support the participation of women in the full value chains of electricity generation, transmission and distribution, because we believe in gender equity. We believe in availing opportunities for women, youth and people living with disabilities to enable their economic, mainstream economic participation. Therefore, we invite and we rally the full ecosystem of the energy sector and the experts in the various perspectives. So we invite people coming from original equipment manufacturers who are the intellectual property holders of system solutions products and services that are delivered in the energy space to ensure its efficient operation. We invite the finance institutions that liquidity ports to support energy projects. We invite entrepreneurs that have already cracked the market, so to speak, and have a, a sterling track record in delivering energy projects to speak to our delegates on how to participate in the energy space. So we connect the dots. We invite utilities. In South Africa, we've got 177 municipalities that are licensed to distribute electricity. And with the evolution of the policy, they are now also able to generate their own power through small-scale embedded generation. They therefore speak about the projects that they are embarking on to strengthen their electricity network, to integrate renewable energy into their network, and how they are designing their energy mix. They also speak on procurement policies so that entrepreneurs understand how to comply with the procurement policies that they have set in place. They also speak on how they have designated market to women, youth and people living with disabilities using the preferential procurement policy. And so our conference 
in the last week focused on Ekuruleni municipality uh, that spoke to their renewable energy program, that spoke to their procurement policies and spoke to their strategic focus areas. We believe that when entrepreneurs and women and youth understand where municipalities are focusing, they're able to take proactive measures to organize themselves as partners or partnering with leaders in industry to bid for such emerging opportunities and therefore secure their space in the energy space. We also had Siemens Africa, one of the largest regional equipment manufacturers across the power sector, the health sector, the automotive sector, and other um, uh, sectors that use Siemens uh, technology. They spoke about their technology, how they are able to support utilities and independent power producers in decarbonizing energy systems, decentralizing energy systems, and automating energy systems. They spoke about emerging trends in energy technologies, and they spoke about their channel partnering solution, which is where they select competent entrepreneurs in the market to train them on their technology so that they can on-trade the technology in the market as a way of gaining entry into the value chain. We also spoke about, we also invited the Southern, I mean, the South African Independent Power Producer Association that spoke about the organization itself and how it supports aspiring independent power producers and how it supports existing independent power producers. As we know in South Africa, the president recently announced that large power users can generate up to 100 megawatts for own use. This is opening a huge market in the renewable energy space that will require independent power producers to work with industrial zones, to work with commercial properties, to work with residential properties and residential estates to help them to generate power for their own use, to construct power projects for their own use. And so these opportunities, we want women youth and people living with disabilities to to secure a share of those opportunities either as owners of projects or as participants in large-scale projects absolutely fascinating fascinating stuff this is beyond governance at 101.9 high fm of course my name is nimra timbele and i'm joined by beta lamine who is a founding president of african women in power and energy Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. It's fascinating how time flies when you're having a very good conversation with the lives of Bethel Lamini, who is my guest this morning. Bethel just taking us through the, the webinars or series of webinars which they conduct as a company which uh, brings on stream women, uh, people with disability uh, with regards to the opportunities that are available in the market as it were. She just gave us an insight in terms of how she networked or her associate, uh, her association networked with municipalities, networked with the South African independent power producers, and networked with a host of companies that 
uh, are trading on electricity. So this, these are, this is definitely a useful engagement uh, in my view, which opens my mind and our minds as a, as a collective in terms of opportunities that are, are there in the energy space. So Betha has really given us insight. Let me just quickly go back, Betha. One of the issues that you have raised is the type of stakeholders that you bring in in your webinars. Uh, municipalities, you've pointed out, financial institution. As you all know that, uh, in the main, uh, the entrepreneurs often battle. They may have a product, but they battle with financial injection. To what extent are these webinars aiding a would-be entrepreneur who has got a good product? How successful have you been in bringing the financiers to trade on these uh, commodities? We have been very successful inviting key financial institutions to give presentations on how they finance entrepreneurs and how they finance energy projects. We've had the likes of NetBank, we've had the likes of DBSA, we've had the likes of RNB Bank, and we continue to attract these key players. We've had private equity firms, um, we've had um, other development finance institutions that have presented at our webinars. And we continue to invite them to educate, to orientate, to create awareness on how they finance entrepreneurs, specifically how they finance energy projects and what their funding tickets are and what it means to entrepreneurs and how entrepreneurs can prepare themselves to um, apply for funding from their institutions. Our purpose is to connect entrepreneurs with key players, key actors in the energy ecosystem. We believe that when more and more women understand the construct of the energy ecosystem, they are more likely to opt to participate in the power sector, to organize themselves with other women entrepreneurs to create joint ventures, to create cooperatives, to take advantage of emerging opportunities in the sector, to also select segments of the value chain that resonates with their business interests so that they are invested in their entrepreneurial journey and they can commit to self-learning and researching further where the opportunities are not only in South Africa but in the region. It would be criminal if I would not ask you a question relating to current power outage. So as a person who is operating in that space, who understands the dynamics and the complexities of uh, energy supply or efficiencies, as it were, what would you say are issues in the current energy space? We know we have, we have cities of low trading. In some instances, people have gone for months without electricity. Bearing in mind that there's also the, the funding aspect, but generally, what would you say are issues? I always, when I get asked these questions, I always say it's best to speak to engineers when you want to get the granular detail of what's happening with our energy system. But I can share the following. Number one, we've got an aging infrastructure across different municipalities. The network has been serving those jurisdictions for many, many years and require a very systematic management um, asset management program which many municipalities either lack the financial resources to sustain a programmatic asset management program or lack the competence to ensure that a sustained 
asset management program is in place to ensure that the sister network is maintained according to its manufacturer's determination. Each equipment that is installed in the electricity network comes with a manufacturer's guide which determines the routine of its maintenance and it requires engineers that understand those prescriptions and have the resources, financial and human resources to follow those prescriptions. It is the same with our um, ESCOM network. It is the same with our generation fleet. It has to be maintained according to specific prescriptions. And when those prescriptions are not followed, you get system failure and asset failure. So there is the issue of aging network, there is the issue of management of the maintenance schedules to ensure that those assets always perform at their optimum level. Then there's the issue of payment for electricity that is consumed by consumers, paying at a regular time, paying on a monthly basis to generate the revenue that is necessary to invest back into the management of the system. When you have cases where consumers of different sizes and different uh, types, so you've got commercial consumers, you've got residential consumers who have a culture of non-payment, it means the municipality is not generating sufficient revenue to maintain not only the electricity asset network, but all general service network because um, the uh, services are not paid for. So that's another issue that is causing um, the challenges that we see in terms of unreliable supply of electricity. Thank you very much for that insight. But I mean, you know, it's common cause that um, I think as you've correctly pointed out, issues around aging infrastructure, which require systemic asset management and according to the rule book, uh, issues around the ESCOM inability to manage and service power stations. And of course, the issues of, of non-payment, these are all variables which give a, a almost like a fuller picture as to why we're having these rollout, uh, these, these backouts that we've seen from time to time. But again, as a network of women in energy space, I'm sure you will from time to time invite ESCOM to give you granular insight as to what progress is been or has been in trying to manage these uh, these variables that are suffocating the economy because ultimately it all boils down to economic growth. What is the position of ESCOM as you engage with them from time to time in terms of almost like a plan to remedy these issues? We have not had the privilege of ESCOM generation because ESCOM has got different uh, divisions that manage the network. So when you talk about uh, power outages that are, are as a result of failing a generation fleet, you would need to speak to someone from generation. And we have not had the opportunity to speak to someone at a generation, but I am aware from reading uh, what is in the media that they have uh, programs that are, they are putting in place to uh, manage the generation fleet and to employ an asset management program that will ensure that we don't have these interruptions. As you know, that uh, supply 
consistent supply of electricity has a direct impact on the performance of our economy and has a direct impact on the cost of running businesses. It is an imperative that ESCOM has to ensure that its supply is steady and consistent and it is at the top of their prior priority. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Lim Rotenberg. I'm joined by Beta Lamin, who is the founding president of African Women in Energy and Power. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. Just join us. This is Nimrod Mbele, and you are listening to Beyond Governance at 101.9 Chi FM. And I'm joined by Betha Zamini, who is the founding president of African uh, Women in Energy and Power. Before we, we, we took that uh, break, Betha has given us a very interesting insight in terms of the intricacies around, uh, you know, the power outages and the extent to which, uh, based on the hair reading, uh, how ESCOM is trying to manage the situation. But going back to the series of webinars that you are, are holding, what is an overall appetite of entrepreneurs who wants to participate in this particular space? We have been very excited by the numbers that have registered for our webinars and the numbers that have showed up for our webinars. And we are proud to say that our webinars at least attract between 60 and 180 delegates who commit to all of 90 minutes uh, at our webinars. 80% of these participants are women entrepreneurs that are exploring the power sector as an area to diversify into and are seeking insights about the sector to understand how and where they begin to pursue opportunities. So there are a number of entrepreneurs who appreciate the emerging opportunities in our power sector as a result of their renewable energy independent power producer program that has now resuscitated its bid windows, which is an auction program that seeks to purchase power from independent power producers, procure power from independent power producers. And also the recent law, you know, the newly gazetted regulations, um, which exempts embedded generation projects up to 100 megawatts from having to apply for licenses from the National Energy Regulator of South Africa. And this raising the, the, the threshold is a crucial step to allow companies in energy intensive sectors such as mining to launch their own power projects to reduce their reliance on ESCOM. And this is opening a plethora of entrepreneurial opportunities for women, youth and people living with disabilities. And as a, uh, a sector and as women in energy and power, not only African women in energy and power are we, uh, but as a collective body of associations that are, are advocating for the equal participation and support of women entrepreneurs, we believe it is time for the sector to have a sector charter that will ensure that there is commitment to socio-economic development targets as this uh, sector emerges. So that at its genesis, we are sure that private sector, public sector, civil society are committed to working together to ensure that 
local entrepreneurs have equitable uh, opportunities to participate. A lot of independent power producers are coming from outside the country. They are multinational independent power producers because they come with strong balance sheet, they come with foreign currency, and they can afford to build projects in our environment. A lot of local players do not have such strong balance sheets, especially after the economic impact of COVID-19 that has seen many entrepreneurs closing doors or scaling down their operations. So we are appealing to government, we are appealing to private sector, we are appealing to civil society to work together to ensure that there is a national commitment beyond what the president has pronounced, um, uh, pronouncing 40% procurement spend to be designated to women. We're saying in the private sector as well, let us be proactive, let us work together, let us collaborate uh, towards economic recovery post-COVID-19 in the renewable energy space to commit to working with women entrepreneurs, to working with black entrepreneurs, giving them exposure to the operational workings of developing an energy project, financing an energy project, partnering with international OEMs so that they gain the competence to become independent operators in the energy space and they too can prosper as the opportunities emerge. This is where quite fascinating, Bretha, um, and how this thing has taken off. Clearly, the, the amount of appetite amongst uh, entrepreneurs is quite quite high, for they obviously want to take huge opportunities that have been presented in the energy space. But we all know that entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is a very long, lonesome and hectic journey. But what are some of the issues which uh, entrepreneurs present to you um, as, as their challenges. We've, we've dispensed with the financial aspect, which is the main challenge. But what are the challenges which uh, entrepreneurs face uh, based on your conversation with them and where is the help coming from? So there are two major hurdles that stand in the way of uh, entrepreneurs succeeding or gaining entry into the energy space. The first is obviously access to capital access to finance. Energy projects are high risk. They're capital intensive. They require that you have an understanding of the science behind uh, building a financial model for an energy project that is convincing to the financiers that it is a, a safe project to invest in. Many entrepreneurs do not have that competence, number one. Number two, for those that have that competence, gaining access to liquidity pots that are available and securing that is a challenge for entrepreneurs. As you know, worldwide, access to finance is the primary challenge for entrepreneurs. So we have challenges with access to finance. It is more emphasized amongst women, also due to lack of networks in, um, in, in the industry. Both the financial markets and the energy markets are highly male-dominated industries uh, where most women do not have the social capital to, um, to understand the workings of those sectors. So access to finance is a critical issue. And I was very proud 
of the chairperson of the IDC, Mrs. Uh, Busima Buza, when she spoke at the Women Economic Assembly launch on the 6th of October, uh, announcing that IDC is looking at de-risking financing women entrepreneurs or looking at catalytic financing options for women and working with industry to enable that. That is very encouraging for women entrepreneurs. Number two is access to market. Access to market, I just spoke about access to um, uh, uh, access to, to, to energy projects that are currently in construction or is just starting their operational life. Let's look at the Renewable Energy Independent Power Producer Program. Just to obtain the bid documents, you have to pay 25,000 rand not just to obtain the documents before you even invest in building a project that you can take to bid because it's an auction program. To develop a project, you need land, you need finance, you need uh, access to technology, you need access to engineers that can construct this uh, project. You're talking about an investment of anything between 5 to 25 million rands before you have an off-taker, before you have a customer. That's how prohibitive it is to participate in the sector. And all we are saying is that... Um, Women, youth, and people living with disabilities that have the aspiration and have the competency to participate need to be supported to gain entry in the spaces um, without these hurdles. So the the sector has to be creative in how we de-risk participation of these designated groups. So those two are critical challenges. And then, of course, a second, uh, a third, but not least, is access to skills development targeted skills development and we're not talking about uh, technical skills development we have a lot of engineers in our country that are currently uh, being exported to other markets to beef up those markets we've got engineers in the country we've got female engineers we've got male engineers but they have not formed themselves into entities with track records in the market so they can't access market and also there's very nuanced business acumen for energy projects which you can only gain if you have operated an energy project or you have been part of an energy project and that's why we are advocating that beyond uh, transforming the sector through shareholding we need exposure to operations we need exposure to the science behind designing and operating energy projects so that our entrepreneurs become competent with the necessary business acumen for for energy projects. So as they step aside to become independent entrepreneurs, they're able to competently deliver on energy projects, uh, being aware of the risks that um, uh, are involved in delivering an energy project from a finance perspective, from a health and safety perspective, and a performance perspective, and the penalties that are levied if you fail to meet certain performance milestones. Those things you cannot study in a text book. You need to be involved in the project. And that's why we are committed to inviting multiple 
um, stakeholders from within the ecosystem to share their business insights, their business acumen in our webinars. And we are working also with industry to formalize accelerators that will help entrepreneurs gain the acumen they require to be successful entrepreneurs in the energy space. Thank you very much for that insight, Petra, for it is quite intriguing in so many ways. I suppose it's, um, you know, issues around access to market are definitely an issue across. I mean, you could, uh, you could be very competent as an entrepreneur. They're a very good product, but if the market is not accessible for you to venture into, you will be obviously be playing at the, at the periphery. But having said all these, you know, limitations, which are quite gloom, in my view, particularly when you talk about getting access to liquidity, which is a big issue, access to market, which is a big issue, access to skills development, it is an issue, and most importantly, business argument, you know, because these variables hinges on a network of social, um, social capital network that you are able to bring in and weave into a particular project. But moving forward, where is, is there light at the end of the tunnel? based on all these limitations that you have presented and what sort of support you need to actually uh, bring that light into, to actually potentially bring the light into being. Sure, there is definitely light. As you know that most countries, let's talk, talk about it at a global sphere, uh, most countries are signatories to the uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. There are 17 of them. I will highlight two or three of them. Um, sustainable Development Goal number five talks to gender equity. And we've just had the Generation Equality Forum in Paris in March of this year, where governments have pronounced their commitment to advancing gender equity in the economy. Financial institutions have committed to financing infrastructure projects in countries that show gender considerations, not only in their design, but in their execution. We have multilateral development banks across the globe that have committed that they will only finance infrastructure projects that have gender considerations. We have the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy that has recently launched the Women Empowerment and Gender Equality Strategy, which is a detailed framework that guides both public sector and private sector on creating a gender equity in their environments. We have the Women Economic Assembly that is constituted in the office of the president, rallying uh, the entire ecosystem uh, within our economy to support women's participation in productive sectors. We have um, a, a number of uh, policies we have the pronouncement by the uh, by the president that 40% of procurement has public procurement has to be designated to women in the energy space we've got the integrated national electrification program that has dedicated in uh, in the current financial year that 850 million rand of that fund will be designated to women projects, which means municipalities that are receiving the grant must dedicate a portion of that to supporting women, a portion of their project size to supporting women. 
and their commitment by the department that that value will continue to increase until 50% of the INEP, the Inter- Integrated National Electrification uh, Program, is uh, dedicated to women. We also have finance institutions that are coming out to support uh, SDG number five, which is gender equity. We have SDG number seven, which is access to modern, clean, affordable energy, uh, which is giving rise to this multiple renewable energy opportunities and giving rise to the green economy at large and the various technologies that are being introduced. We have the Just Energy Transition Program. And now governments will be presenting at Glasgow on the 26th of November at COP26. They will be presenting their nationally determined contributions to reducing uh, carbon emissions. This gives rise to a transition of uh, various value chains into clean energies or low carbon emitting technologies, which is giving rise to the introduction of new technologies across multiple value chains. And here we have the just element of the just energy transition, which talks to inclusive participation by all as we transition and transform our value chains to low carbon emitting production at assets. And that also is compelling industries to consider the participation of women, the participation of youth, the participation of people living with disabilities. And we cannot talk about efficient or effective participant participation of these designated groups without talking about access to finance, access to market, access to technology, access to skills development, and access to credible market information and networks. And this collective movement or the collective the the collect the constellation rather of activities are gaining momentum and as they gain momentum we will see a convergence of interventions that will have a critical impact in advancing women's participation in productive sectors Wow, that's fascinating uh, indeed, Better Some of the issues that you've raised obviously are, are at, the, at the macro level, at the multinational level, where there are commitments by governments on how they, they tend to empower women. I, we, we can only hope that these major initiatives don't just end up as blueprint without translation into reality. For especially in South Africa, we all know that we've got great plans. And those plans that have not really manifested into reality, it is not just a designing of a blueprint, but it's also how the blueprint is being supported. For an example, issues around the 40% that the president made pronouncement of, it should materialize uh, through municipalities. So these are some of the issues that needs to be seen through to ensure that women participation in energy sector and in any other sector for that matter does really happen as opposed to just paying a lip service. We will be keeping an eye on these issues and through you at some point we'll bring it back again say what has been the progress and as far as these complex issues are concerned. But I must just say it has been absolutely fantastic uh, to have you on board on this glorious morning, giving us your perspective into the energy space. For I certainly believe the listener uh, has benefited. I've certainly benefited. Um, let's do this again in the near future. 
Thank you very much. I may just say that um, for the listeners, they are welcome to visit our website. It's www.aweap.africa. It is an information repository of the multiple presentations that have been given in the past six webinars that we have had. And together, when we work as a society to promote the participation of women in economies, we will start to get rid of gender-based violence and femicide by ensuring that women have equal economic opportunities to be independent of such abusive tendencies that we have seen. And this is truly a, a pandemic in our country that we must resolve through economic empowerment of women, youth and uh, people living with disabilities. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you very much. Absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't have it in, in any other way. Thank you very much. And we'll definitely uh, call you back again just to see what the progress is for the issues that you guys are grappling with are quite complex and complicated. They can only be resolved rigorous uh, collaboration. In the media space, it would definitely play our role to support you or popularize any of these kind of initiatives for they also boils down to femicide that you've just correctly pointed out to. Women emancipation uh, now not it's not something that can be deferred to any, any, any later stage. Thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. It has been absolutely beautiful. Let us be safe. We all know that COVID is still in, in our midst. Let's uh, observe the necessary protocol. Let's do this again next week. 